Welcome to Value Nigeria with Ajibola. On this podcast, we learn the principles of value investing and we apply them even to the Nigerian market. Hope you've had a beautiful week. Last week on the podcast, we discussed the first eight out of 15 principles as expressed by Philip Fisher in his book, Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits. Those 15 points were highlighted to be his buy criteria, the things he looked out for in various companies even before he bought them. We analyzed them and we compared them to our own checklist, which we have discussed extensively on even on this podcast. And we try to draw similarities even from both checklists. Philip Fisher, as we have said earlier, is a legendary growth investor. So he, he is quite different from the usual value investors that we've talked about even on this podcast So we are trying to see how similar his process is even to ours. We'll be continuing from where we left off last week by continuing with point number nine. The point number nine as raised by Philip Fisher is, does the company have an effective and detailed cost analysis and do they have accounting controls in place? Philip Fisher argued that um, the ideal company for him to buy must understand in details its cost structure So if it's a company that delivers service, even their operating expenses, they should be able to account for every penny, how they rack up their expenses, even in operations. And if it's a company that produces a good, um, the cost of goods and services should be well understood. And the reason why he argued that the ideal company must understand this is because that way the company can know which product is cost effective. The company can tell which products even cost more to produce and they can effectively plan on how they can reduce the cost of production even in certain items. Also, this information is very useful to companies because they can decide what part of the value chain of their products even costs them the most and they can decide to set up a subsidiary company that operates even in that expensive part of their value chain even to take advantage of this and reduce their total cost of production. An example of this is um, like the sugar industry in Nigeria where we've seen all the big players in the industry even set up sugar cane plantations and all of these are just done in a bid to reduce the cost of the production of sugar. So rather than import raw sugar, if they can farm the sugar cane and produce the raw sugar locally, then that would lead to a reduction in the cost of production and hopefully improve the economy as well at the same time. So the ideal company as described by Philip Fisher must have a detailed breakdown of its costs. The tenth point as raised by Philip Fisher is asking if the company has short-range or long-range outlook regarding their profits. So you want to know how this company, how do they think? Now, the decisions made by the management of this company, how does it fit in? Are there short-term profit-maximizing decisions or are there decisions that maximize profits even in the long term? Now, having a long-term view is obviously the best And we need to make sure that whatever company we are buying, the management must be long-term oriented at the same time. They should not make decisions that would optimize the short-term profits at the expense of long-term profits. Now, the decisions we want the management to be making are decisions that may not yield results in the short term, but will have a huge payoff even in later years. An example of this will be the decision to set up a new factory. In the short term, 
it will lead to rising capital expenditure, it will lead to a drop in free cash flow, and it may reduce the ability of that company to pay a dividend in the short run. However, looking at it in the big picture, this will lead to rising revenues in future, a larger profit margin, and hopefully a larger free cash flow and larger dividend payouts even in future. So this is what we want companies that we are interested in to be doing. A classic example of this that we see so many times even on the in the Nigerian Stock Exchange is when we see a company deciding to pay a dividend and then a few months later they come back and tell the shareholders that they want to raise money either through a rights offering or through a public offering. That's just short-term thinking, trying to satisfy the the shareholders by paying them a dividend and turning around in a couple of months even to ask for that same money back. So we don't want to deal with companies that have this short-term outlook. The 11th point, which was raised by Phil Fisher even in his 15-point checklist, is a question which asks that, how will the future growth of this company be funded? Okay, He wants to know how future growth will be funded. We've talked extensively on this podcast about how growth is funded in a business and there are various means. The first is going into debt. The company can borrow money either from the bank or something and it comes at a cost to the company. Or the company can decide to sell more shares that raise funds through selling of equity. And the problem with that is that it leads to dilution. So it reduces the ownership structure of present shareholders. And the third method by which businesses can raise money is by using money that is generated even from the business. So taking money from the free cash flow of that business even to fund future growth. Obviously, the third option is the best. So the ideal company, the ideal or the best companies would have very little or almost no debt and there won't be recurrent raising of money via selling equity and the business growth will be almost entirely funded by the free cash flow of that business. The lesson from this point from Philip Fisher is that we should avoid companies that have a very large capital expenditure as it's very likely that they will need to raise funds recurrently, uh, which might need to come from selling equity at some point and will lead to dilution of the ownership structure, as we have rightly said. We also want to avoid companies with persistently low or almost no free cash flow. And that's just because whatever growth that the company needs to fund will have to come through debt or through selling of equity. We also want to avoid companies that have a past history of incessant dilution of ownership. These are companies that almost every other year have a public offer or every other year have a right issue or have a private placement to raise funds. What this does is that it just dilutes the ownership and it reduces your stake even in that business. So the best businesses, as we have said, are businesses that have almost no debt, large free cash flows and do not incessantly raise equity or raise funds by selling new equity. The 12th point as raised by Philip Fisher in his 15-point um, checklist is does the company have outstanding executive relations? Earlier on in the previous episode, we talked about interpersonal relationship between the lower cadre staff 
Now, Philip Fisher is asking that what is the relationship between the management grade staff? How do they interrelate with each other? Are there squabbles on the board? How well do they work together? How are promotions, even promotion among the management level staff, how are they worked out? Is it based on ability or is promotion based on whose carcass you belong to? If there are carcasses or if there, are, if there is division even within the board or within the management grade staff, then each carcass or each side will be working against each other. Rather than focusing on delivering excellent shareholder returns, they'll be working on undermining the other carcass or on the other group. So we want to avoid companies where there are boardroom squabbles, where there are ownership tussles, where, there are, where things do not work smoothly or where we learn or where we hear that management grid staff have disagreements among themselves. The 13th point as raised by Philip Fisher is, is there depth in the management team? Now, this is very, very important. Is there depth? What is the depth to the management team? And by depth, we don't mean liability or how much they owe. What we actually mean is how much experience does the management team have? How skillful is the management Remember when we talked about our own checklist and we talked about management, Charlie Munger said that management must be skillful and must be people of integrity. So this is the first point there that Philip Fisher is also talking about. Skill. How skillful is the management? What is their previous experience? Which other companies do they lead? Have they sat on the boards of other companies? How did those companies that they sat on their boards, how did those companies do? How does the company replace retiring board members? Are there training programs for new management grade staff? So all these are questions that we need to ask ourselves even as we evaluate or as we analyze these companies. So Philip Fisher advocates that we should only buy companies or we should be conscious of buying companies that have good depth even to their management. Management that are experienced and have a proven way of replacing board members. The 14th point as raised by Philip Fisher, even in his 15-point checklist, is the question that asks that, is the management of unquestionable integrity? So here we see Philip Fisher bringing in the second aspect of um, management evaluation, even as advocated by Charlie Munger, where he now asks about the integrity of the management. Now, this question is very important, and that's because um, the management team, they are closer to the pockets of the company even than the shareholders are. They can cook the books, they can embezzle the funds, they can do whatever they want to do and cover it up one way or the other. So we need to be very conscious of people that we let even into the management grid um, level of whatever company. If there are people who do not have integrity or who have had one previous bad experience or the other, or who have led one other company into bankruptcy in the past, then we should be avoiding such companies just because some members of the board are not people of integrity. So ask yourself, has any member of the board been involved in one fraudulent case or the other? Has anyone on the board been indicted for one thing or the other in the past? If there is a question mark or if there is a doubt about the integrity of anybody on the board of that company, then maybe we should be avoiding that company. 
The 15th and the last point raised by Philip Fisher in his 15 points checklist for companies that he is interested in buying is him asking the question, is the management accessible to investors or to shareholders to answer questions or do they shy away when the going is tough? So we want people in management who are able to come to the shareholders openly and to admit their errors to be able to say, okay, I made a mistake in this part or we made a mistake in that part and this is what we are doing to correct it. We don't want management grade staff who are you know, shying away or who are painting over cracks in the wall. If there are cracks, we want them to be open enough to tell us that there is a problem here and this is what we are doing to try and solve that problem. Now, this is a problem that a good number of Nigerian companies have. Management are very, very inaccessible. You send mails to them, you try to reach out to them to inquire about one thing or the other. They never reply. And this is one area I feel the management of various companies in Nigeria need to work on, need to improve their accessibility. Reply emails when sent, pick up phone calls that they have. And all this just improves the the outlook of that company and makes them more desirable to own, even to various investors. Now, we've discussed the remaining seven items, even on Philip Fisher's checklist, and all these seven items relate even to management in our 4M checklist. So we've seen items on Philip Fisher's checklist that relate to the meaning or trying to understand the business, We've seen those items that relate to the moat of the business, which is like trying to understand the competitive advantage of the business. And we've seen these last seven items that relate to the management of the business. However, we didn't see any item on Philip Fisher's checklist that pertains to margin of safety or to being conscious of the price at which you are buying that company. And that's understandable because, as we have said, Philip Fisher was a growth investor who did not mind paying up or paying high multiples of earnings or of sales, even just to own a stake in wonderful businesses. So his emphasis was on the quality of the business and was not on the price to pay. Herein lies the major difference between growth investing and value investing. There is, however, a new school of thought that says, Growth investing and value investing cannot be mutually separated from each other, that they are joined at the hip. Now, we find out that most value investors want to buy quality businesses and also do not mind paying higher multiples as compared to the past. So the question I'll leave you with even this week as we draw this episode to a close is, how flexible are you with the price you are willing to pay even for these companies as you evaluate them. This is something I'm working on myself as well and (laughs) something I hope to improve on. I hope this week's episode has been educative and I hope learned one or two things. Thank you very much for listening. That's all on this week's episode of Value Nigeria. Have a lovely week ahead. Bye.